in the bondages and in the, in the sicknesses and the diseases that are prevalent within the world, he's offered us an opportunity through the death of his son on the cross to be removed from that, adopted, and he sees us as his own kids. I mean, he sees us as his own, like, like that's my boy right there. And he loves me so much that he would do anything to protect me. As a matter of fact, he died for me to begin with, so he wants so much for my life to be all that he would have it to be. Think of your own kids. Do you want the best for your kids? Would you want even better than you had? Right? It's not just, oh, I want what, what I got. I want him to have better. He's no different. He wants you to have the best life possible. But so oftentimes we get, we're deceived. Straight up deceived. And it happens even within the church. And I'm not going to call out churches, but I'm going to call out the body of Christ as a whole. Because the body of Christ has no idea who it is. It has an identity crisis going on. We don't understand what it means to be the body of Christ. And it is about relationship, and there's no religion in it anywhere. It all, it's all about the relationship with the loving Father. That is it. It's everything. And he wants the, the, that loving Father wants the best for you. But he, as a result of that, just like every loving Father, there's things that he is going to give you in relationship to boundaries and guidelines and, and ways in which you'll have this best life possible. And if you go outside of those boundaries, then your life isn't going to be its best. Is that simple? I mean, I, I tried so hard to, to raise my kids in such a way that they would, they would not have to go through some of the things that I had to go through. Unfortunately, I did it in my own strength with my older children, and I failed miserably. And I did a lot of it out of fear, like, you better do this or else, right? And if you do this, you're going to get this, and if you do that, you're going to get that. And so my fathering, even though I love them with all of my heart, it was driven off of fear, a fear of what could happen to them. So I, I was really adamant, don't do that, don't do that. And I got real harsh. And so the, what would happen is, as a result, when they would cross the line, whatever my boundaries were, they were too afraid to come back. So they would stay away. They wouldn't want to see me. If they saw me, they would just not want to be there. And I wanted them there, but they didn't want to be there because I was, they had to face me. And I think the body of Christ has this same view about God. They, like, I, when, I'm, when I'm living and I've done something outside of the boundary, I don't, I, I'm afraid to go back because of what he's probably going to punish me. I'm probably going to get in trouble. I'm probably going to be put in time out, whatever it is. But it's a lie. It's a lie. He's drawing you. He says when you do something that's not in line with what he wants is his best, he's drawing you towards him, not pushing you away. Think of even the prodigal son when he went off and he decided he was going to do whatever he wanted to do and he squandered all of his father's money and all of his inheritance and he did it on a, a party life and all that. And what did the father do? He waited in anticipation for that son to come back. He didn't like stand at the end of the driveway and you stay here, get to the woodshed, and then come on in. Uh, we're going to take care of this, and then you can come in. No, he ran towards him, seeing him repentant in his heart. It even said uh, in that scripture, it says, he came to himself. 
he came to himself to realize, man, what am I doing in this? This isn't my best life. I mean, I had a, the servants have it better than I do. What am I doing here? Amen? And, the, and he was afraid to go back. As a matter of fact, he had a speech rehearsed for his dad. Like, I'm not even worthy to be your son and all this other stuff. And he couldn't even get that stuff out of his mouth before the father was just smooching all over him, putting a robe around him, putting sandals on him and a ring on him and yelling for everybody to get, get the fatted calf. It's time to party because my son was lost and now he's home. That's our father. <laughs> That's our father. If, if we got stuff going on, he's drawing us to him. He's looking for you to just take a couple of steps and watch him run to you. And you're going to be like, oh, I'm not even worthy. He's going to be like, shut up about it. I just love you. Amen. I may, maybe we could just go home now. <laughs> One of the things in Romans, Romans 12, is like, um, it's like the, the life... Of a, of a follower of Christ. These are some of the, what I would consider both the boundaries and the promises in, in, in one chapter. And you could go back and forth through Romans 12 every day and learn more about what it looks like to be Christ-like and how much you're loved, etc. But I'm going to read a little bit out of here. Romans 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, he's talking about followers of Christ. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. If you understand just even some of the breadth of all that he has done for you, you have to recognize the magnitude of your depravity before you can have any idea of the enormous act of sacrifice that he had made for you. And the deeper you understand your depravity, the more that becomes real to you. So he's saying, in view of all that he's done for you, I plead with you. I plead with you that if you want the best life possible, and because of all that he has done for you, give everything you got to him. Give everything you got to him. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute, that... Uh, hey, what about me? Don't you remember when you came to a place in that depraved or deprived place, right, that said, I need you, God, right? I give you my everything. I make you Lord and Savior. What does Lord mean? Ruler. Ruler. Now, Lord means ruler, and, and it's one in honor and in esteem. So it's not, it's like if you're going to honor the Lord who saved you, you're going to be, you're going to have your ear towards everything that he's asking you to do, because his promise as Lord is he's going to give you the full and abundant and overflowing life. And where you've been before and listening to the lies about where you were is preventing you from having the fullest life possible. Everything you're hanging on to in relationship to what was taken off of you is preventing you from soaring like an eagle. Can you see it? It's like a weight's keeping you down. So it says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice 
the kind he will find acceptable. When I think about that, he, he's, like, he's like not even asking for perfection. <laughs> Something he'd just find acceptable. You know, if you are thinking about him, he's loving that. Right on? He, if you have your eyes pointed towards him or your heart pointed towards him, he's just absolutely enamored by that. He gets so excited. We think we've got to, you know, uh, say a certain number of this or pray a certain amount or have our devotions. He just wants us thinking on him. And when you think on him, he just energizes you in that place. He changes the atmosphere every single time we start looking towards him. And so what's acceptable? I'm, whole, I'm set apart. That's what holy means. I'm set apart because I'm king's kid. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not the world's kid. I'm the king's kid, so I am set apart. Uh, I, I, I shouted from the rooftops that he's the reason I'm holy. I got nothing in me apart from him that's holy, but he calls me that, and I need to learn to live what that looks like. And so I give him everything I've got. It says, truly, this is the way to worship him. When we were worshiping, didn't that feel good? I don't care who you are, if you're a follower of Christ and you're in worship, you love it there. And you don't want to leave there. If we could just stay there and stay there and stay there, that's what heaven's going to be like. We're going to be in it and we're going to stay in it. It's going to be around us. Worship is just going to be about us and us about him and all of that. But as soon as we stop worship, guess what happens? The world starts wanting to infiltrate the mind, start getting us thinking about stuff again, right? It's like, oh, I just want to go back and worship, right? But he's telling us, he says, I'm going to give you power and authority over everything coming against you so you can stay in worship. It's, a, it's an act of worship to be able to be thinking on God. How would you have me to respond to this, Lord? Where are you in this, God? Not, oh, why me, and how come I can't, and when did this happen, and if that happens again, I'm going to do this, and why don't they do more of this for me, and why isn't this happening for me? Doesn't that just sound like a two-year-old? It's what we are when we're thinking selfish, right? It's all about self. But we've given up ourselves, right? We were crucified with Christ, and we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. This message today, incidentally, is for believers. Now, if you're not a believer, you're going to want to be one as a result of this message. But it's for us. It's for the body of Christ. Let's keep going. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Does that preach for itself? Then you will learn, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. It's an it's a if-then. If you do this, then you get this. If you do this, then you get this. It's a promise. It's written right there. If you want the best life, offer your body to me as a living sacrifice. It's holy and pleasing. Don't copy what they're doing. Don't copy them. But be transformed by thinking on things of God so you can renew how you think and you're going to have the best life you could possibly have. Yeah, that's, that's the good news. That's the good news. Here we go. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give you 
this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Okay. There's much in the body of Christ that says, I'm not that bad, or this is accept, this should be acceptable, or hey, they're doing that. Um, th- uh, the scripture says I can do this. Finding ways in which the, f- the scriptures can fit what we want. Finding it. And churches have blurred the lines of even what sin is. So if we don't know, and if we're being in the body of Christ, and we're blurring what sin is, woe to us. I don't want us to be a church that doesn't rightly divide right and wrong, okay? I just don't want us to be that. And the Holy Spirit who is in us will teach us that. Along with his word, it's not going to be the person next to you. So when you're evaluating yourself, is what this scripture is asking us to do, what is it that's going on in your life right now that God doesn't want you doing? And be, just be honest about it. Don't, don't like filter it through stuff and don't like tra- take this and that. Just let the Holy Spirit tell you what it is that's going on. Don't think you're better than you are. Like, allow him. It's not for condemnation. It's truly there as a gift. It's there as a gift for you so that when it's identified, we're all of a sudden, isn't it awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if you had a shock collar? Like every time you were about to do something that you knew wouldn't be your best life, that God could just give you a little zapper? Not, not like a hard one where you'd like this, but just like a, a little, little reminder, right? Wouldn't it be awesome? Like, oh, you shouldn't go there. Okay, thank you. Thank you. But we got, we've, in the church, we've turned the shock collar off. And we've, we've found ways in which the Holy Spirit is, if we don't listen to the shock collar pretty soon, you just get used to it. And you can find ways to cover it up. And, and I'm, again, oh, I'm starting to feel guilty. That I love you. 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 I love you is what the Lord is saying. I'm not sad about you. I'm not disappointed in you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm giving you this as a gift so you don't continue to have the bad life that you're experiencing in that area or in that part. Oh, he just loves us. Mm. And guess what? Just as our bodies have many parts, each has a special function, so it is with us. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong together. Do you see this, guys? We belong to each other. If, if there's things going on in your life that I know are hurting you, and we belong to each other, and I have a, something from the Lord that says, man, if you would just look and ask the Lord how to have victory in this, or if you would just seek the Lord and ask for some truth in this, if the Lord gave me that discernment, you belong to me. I love you so much. What if I were to just ignore it? Am I helping you or am I killing you? Amen. Huh? And, and we as a body of Christ got to get over ourselves. 
get over ourselves and quit thinking so much about whether or not how it's going to affect their feelings. Well, their feelings have got them in a rut. They're understanding and believing a lie. And what's got them understanding and believing a lie, we need to help them to understand or to see, not tell them, but show them. Show them in God's word, show them in our actions, show them in how we love on people, that we just want the best for me. I want you to do that for me. If you see me, if I'm saying or doing anything that would bring any, any sort of uh, flag or hurt your heart or cause you to think that, oh, Jay, that's not your best life. What you're doing there, that, that, the way you respond to that, that's just not your best life. Man, I would hope you would do that for me. I hope that you would come to me and say, Jay, that's just not your best life. And I'm like, you know, I had kind of a feeling maybe that wasn't right. So thank you for confirming that. Because the Holy Spirit is going to lead us in all truth, but we belong together. We belong to each other. So we owe it to each other to ensure that we're all having the best life possible. The next scriptures, I don't have time to go through them all, but I'm going to just pray for the Holy Spirit to just feed you with truth. We within the church spend a whole bunch of time evaluating how other people do church. You know what I'm saying? Oh, they believe that, and they believe that, and they believe that, so, and we, we're not going to go there because they believe that, and, and we're not going to go there because they do that, right? What are we doing? We, we haven't even figured out how to live our best life. We're already judging each other in relationship to things of God. Stuff that doesn't even matter to God. Amen? How you do religion and how that church does religion is immaterial to God. He wants you to get closer to Him. Amen? So we spend a lot of time. Uh, oh, they're, they, they're all about the Sabbath. Uh, I'm not going to that church because they celebrate the Sabbath this way. Well, fine. If they're celebrating the Sabbath and they're trying to bring honor to God, leave them alone. If, if, they're, if they're honoring God in, in abstaining from certain food, it says in Romans, well, if they're abstaining from certain food and they're trying to do it to honor God, far be it from you to tell them that they shouldn't. Isn't there a lot of other things you could talk to them about other than whether or not they're doing this right for the Lord? At least they're doing it for the Lord. Wow. And then it says, if you were to do anything that would cause one of the others of us to stumble, that you shouldn't do it. So if it means that you're at my house and you don't like chicken, I'm not going to feed you chicken. You better eat chicken or else, you know, you're not going to have a healthy life unless you have juice plus, ask my wife. And if you come to our house, you're going to get juice plus. We're hearing each other, aren't we? We're hearing each other. How the other churches in town are doing church is not up to us. If they're doing it to honor God, praise God. But we do have a responsibility one to another on how we're living our lives. Ever heard this statement? Don't, don't judge me. Huh? Come on, there's, don't judge me. Are you judging me? I'm going to tell you straight up, yep, I am. Yep, I am. I'm evaluating you, not judging onto condemnation, 
But it tells us this scripture we need to read because you're not going to believe it's in here. <laughs> We're going to go to uh, first, first Corinthians five, verse one it says, I can hardly believe the report about sexual immorality going on among you, something even pagans don't do. I'm told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. That's kind of sick. But at this, in that church, at that time, it wasn't considered to be sick. They didn't call him out on it. They didn't, they, they didn't, as a matter of fact, I think that they were actually saying, promoting the fact that they weren't calling it out. Are you with me? Like they're promoting it as if they're not calling it out. They're allowing it in such a way, oh, we just, we just love. Now, it's okay to just love. It is okay to just love as long as it's taking somebody to greater and not to lesser. Because you can love your dog and not yell at them as they're walking across the freeway. But if they get hit and run over, wouldn't you have rather said, stop it, versus see ya. I mean, call me kooky. But love would cause me to respond in a certain way. Let's keep going in here. You are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. You should, you should remove this man from your fellowship. Now, this is harsh. This seems really harsh. Like, you're saying that we should have that person out of the church because of what they're doing right there? That's what he said. Now, I want you to understand that this is not about condemnation. This is, once again, about love. This is not about condemnation. This is not about he's not welcome. It's not about he's not wanted. It's not about he's not cared about. He needs to understand that what he's thinking or doing is affecting him. He needs to be able to see it. If he stays in, uh, in the kumbaya, you, there's no conviction. Are you with me? There's just not a conviction there. If he, at this point, he's saying to this church, you're loving that person to death. And that person needs to find, he needs to come to himself. He needs to see himself. He needs to be like the prodigal son. He himself came to himself. And the only way that a person is going to come to themselves is to be able to recognize the conviction of that being such that it's not their best life. And so they took a risk in saying, I love this person that much that we need to be able to help them to understand that the church is a place where he will be loved, not accepted to fail. To fail, to have the best life. I want the best life for every single person in this room. You have no idea. You have no idea. And I don't, for one minute, think any of us in this room can't come to ourselves about things that are going on in our lives because we already know what they are. Amen? We know what, what, what they are. Let's, let's keep going in this. Throw the man out. Hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed. Not that he will be destroyed. But that part of whatever he is doing will be destroyed. And how is it going to be destroyed? And he himself. Man, my life is like this now. Think about it. His life, you, his life got to be a mess. And he was feeling, I remember, man, I remember my first love. 
I remember the love of this family. I remember how much they were caring about me. I remember how much God was just so enamored by my thinking on him. And what happened to me? How did I get here? Oh, the conviction of the Holy Spirit says, man, I'm not even worthy to go back to that church. And, and it's like, man, here's, here's Jay. He's at the front door. Oh, they're here. <laughs> they're here. Amen. Praise be to God. They're here. It says, now check this out. It says, uh, he, he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. When I wrote to you before, I told you don't associate people that are doing that. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you're not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. Man, that's, that's some harsh stuff right there. But do you see that it's not because he doesn't love them, it's because he loves them. Amen. Because here's, it isn't my, check this out, verse 12. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it's certainly your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. I didn't make this up, and this isn't about condemnation. This is about helping you to recognize God has such a much better place for your life. He's got so much more in store for you, but you're being robbed right in front of my very eyes. And if not me, then who? Hopefully you and you and you and you will encourage and come around and love people in that place so that they would be able to see that come to themselves and die to that sinful nature, whatever that thing is. It says, God will judge those who are outside, but the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. That doesn't mean, uh, I'm evil. I know I'm evil, apart from Christ. Okay? In Christ, I'm a really good guy. Matter of fact, I love me in Christ. I love who he created me to be. I love who I am in Christ. But guess what? By this afternoon, I might be out of Christ. Right? I, I might, he won't go anywhere, but I might. Okay? Now, if, if, if I am in here and I am not in Christ, you're going to know it. That's right. right on? And so what I want you to do for me is to get the me out of me. <laughs> get the me out of me. How does that happen? Not saying get out of here. It says get in here. Amen. Get in here. Get in here. Know the love of the Father. 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 Come to yourself. Kill your old self and begin to see yourself the way Christ sees you so you can walk out of here with the best shot at the best life possible for you. That's church. It's church, isn't it? Second Corinthians chapter two, verse six, is a verse that's speaking about the person that they kicked out of the church or asked him not to come. Most of you opposed him, and that was punishment enough. Now, however, it's time to forgive and comfort them. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. 
So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. You never stopped loving him. You never stopped loving him. You never judged him in relationship to he's a bad guy and I'm a good guy. You judge the fact that he's not getting the best life he could possibly have. And when he goes out and he does and he makes some changes or you see him come to a repentant heart when they come to themselves, then we got to be the first ones at the door running out in the parking lot to make sure that they're loved on and come in here and, and they get, they're the guest of honor. They're the guest of honor right here. Mm, just everybody, come on, let's love on this one. Let's love on this one. They need encouragement. Because they were lost and now they're home. And they're in the best life now. They're, they're, they got the best life, best shot possible. And now we pray and ask that the Lord would guard their heart and their mind in Christ Jesus and renew their mind according to the truth about what Christ says about you versus whatever lie you've been believing so that you can continue to walk out the best life for your life. Whew. That was exhausting. But not. Ephesians 5.1 says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you're his dear, dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be none of that stuff. Such sins aren't amongst the kingdom of God. They're just not. They don't do did, we don't do life like that in the kingdom. That's all. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, and greedy person is feeling the life that we have in the best life possible in the kingdom of God. You're going to have, you're going to be separate from that. You're going to be living in as a result of the consequences of your life. It's not God punishing you or dropping a hammer on you. It's choosing to live outside of the kingdom on these things. It's a choice. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse their sins. At least I'm not doing this or, you know, a little of that isn't going to be a bad thing. And, you know, at least I'm not doing this anymore. Remember? Don't think too good of yourself in this situation. Allow conviction to be conviction. Don't participate in the things these people do. For you were once full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. Live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Isn't that just a great closer? Is, is what I'm doing... Right now, pleasing to God. I know what I'm doing right now is pleasing to God. I know in any particular moment, I can ask the question, is what I'm doing pleasing to you, Lord? First of all, remember how excited he gets when you just point your thoughts towards him? And when you do ask the question, he'll say, he'll say yes, no, or a little bit. He will. It won't be like, no. Or it won't be like, yahoo. It, it, it might be a like, yeah, you're doing pretty good there. Yeah, keep on, keep on. But there isn't condemnation. If you're asking, he's going to share with you. And what is this response going to do? It's going to give you the best life possible for you. 
So we get to do communion together, and the communion message is literally everything about how we're able to have all this stuff off of us, how we don't have to live in condemnation, how we have the power over sin and death because of what Christ did on the cross. You know he took everything contrary to you that was not the goodness of God, he took it upon himself and he died with it there. And all of it off of you is how he sees you this morning. That's how he sees you. You can't see yourself that way nearly as well because you have all of these things going on that you know that are going on that are contrary to him. Granted, we are flesh too, okay? But that died. It wants to rise up. I take the truth over my circumstances every time. And what does the truth say? I am spotless, without blemish. He finds me without fault. Why? Because he took the punishment and the sin upon himself at the cross. And in communion, he says, it's with this, my body was broken for you. Anybody feeling a little broken in some area or some area in your life? He did that so you wouldn't feel that anymore. Oh, but I'm feeling condemnation. No, you're feeling conviction. Run to him. Run to him. It's not about feeling bad about yourself. Feel good about yourself. Run to him because he sees you as good, not as bad. Stay in the place that you're at, and you're going to stay thinking the same way you think about yourself. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He sees you precious and spotless. And then he shed his blood, and he said, there is no forgiveness of sins without somebody dying and blood being shed. So he said, this is my blood. It's a new covenant. For the forgiveness of your sins. He, and he did it once and for all. Past, present, future. He did it for you 2,000 years ago. It's relevant for today and tomorrow. We live in it. Like a waterfall of forgiveness. Don't allow the condemnation to keep you from standing in the waterfall and experiencing the freshness and the newness of what Christ did for you on the cross. And every time you get outside of that, you feel, oh man, I need a shower. Amen? Amen? Stand right in it.